0: to fish talk and hunt radio with john hennigan where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine this is john hennigan and
1: we've got a great show lined up first of all we've got the man himself Bart Hall, whose dad was Fred Hall, after they named after the shows, the Fred Hall shows. And Bart, uh, when your dad started the shows, you were what? About six years old?
2: Oh no, no, no! My uh, my father uh, was in the business of ushers, ticket sellers, and gatemen. So they did uh, ushers, ticket sellers, and gatemen at all the sporting events in Los Angeles. They did uh, Hollywood stars. They did the Rams. Uh, they did SC, UCLA, they did the fights, they did the racetracks, all the racetracks from Del Mar, Hollywood Park, Santa Anita. And uh, one day, my dad, he was young, he was 22 years old, he comes to, to my, eventually, the guy who's my godfather, and he goes, his boss, Mel Morrison, he said, Mel, we ought to do a sportsman show. And Mel's famous answer was, "What the hell's a sportsman show?"
1: Yeah, well, there so, wasn't there wasn't one at that time, was there?
2: No, nothing. So that's what happened. So he went ahead and started this and that. So the the first show was 1946. I was born in June of 1945, and the first show was April of 46. Yeah. So that's how we know how old the shows are because yeah. wherever I am, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> ah, you're, you're, you're still a babe. Cause you, yeah. I, I, I remember when fifty was old.
2: Yeah, well, it's, you know, just, uh, 80 is the new 50, you know.
1: That's, it. <laughs> that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, yeah, we got about a minute. But, uh, no, I remember seeing my dad dies when he was like 62, and, man, he was old. <laughs> but now I've got, yeah, like got, got a lot of friends in their 70s and 80s, and they're, they're oh. just charging. Yeah. But, you know, you stay active and stay outdoors. uh, And, you know, there's, uh, you know, just a... a, a, I think people are still discovering the outdoors. Wouldn't you say so, Bart?
2: Well, you know, our slogan is... uh you know, uh, celebrate the passion of fishing, yeah. boating, and outdoor recreation, okay. and and we we sincerely believe that. And if uh, okay. that's what we're trying to do, because you know, even my grandchildren who are right. ultimately involved in the outdoors, they spend okay. a lot of time. Uh, Bart,
1: on the- Bart, we're going to have to take a, uh, just a short break, but we're going to bring you back on for 10 minutes. So don't go anywhere.
6: It's time for the spectacular 72nd Annual Fred Hall Show, March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center, the world's largest fishing show, California's largest trailer boat show, and a world-class international fishing and hunting travel show. Nearly 1,000 booths, acres of boats, over 400 seminars, the Mammoth Lakes Kids Fish-Free Trout Pond, the Daiwa Bass Tank, the Accurate Fishing Saltwater Tank, the Hobie Kayak Fishing Theater, Ram Trucks Ultimate Air Dogs, Costa Sporting Chef Cafe, Cousins Tackle Seminar Stage, Huge marine electronics display, demo boats on the water, free dive, fly fishing air gun ranges, casting, Hobie test rides, the Paul Bunyan lumberjack show, Jack Dagger, the king of fling and so much more. Kids free kids fish free. Join CCA Cal and get in free. Celebrate the passion of fishing, boating, hunting and outdoor recreation in the nation's number one show. The Fred Hall Show March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center. Presented by Progressive Details at FredHall.com
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan and we have the man himself. We
1: have Bart Hall. Now, Bart, just to take a just a, a quick minute or so, um the, the, uh, it's called the Fred Hall Show, not the Bart Hall Show, but probably should be the Bart Hall Show. But your dad started this. you want to give us just a 30-second rundown on how that happened? In
2: 1946, he started the show, and uh, it's been going ever since. And he and started at Gilmore, Gilmore Stadium okay. and uh, then moved to the Pan Pacific Auditorium from there to the— Great Western Exhibit Air Center. From there to the Sports Arena, and finally to the Long Beach Convention Center, where it's been for the last forty years.
1: <clears throat> well, so, forty years, yeah. Well, yeah. is there a bigger place you can go to? Or are you maxed out?
2: Well, there's a bigger place we can go to, but I'm reluctant to do it because of the tradition of being forty years in one place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there it, there are bigger places, but I'd rather I'd rather not do it if we can say now we, we've outgrown it. We certainly have. You know, we've had uh, a lot of interest in boats this year, and so mm-hmm. we could have uh, we could have sold a lot more boat space if we had it to sell, oh. out, but we but we don't. Yeah. So that's well, part of the deal. Well, it seems like
1: uh, I don't know if it's the economy or what, but I get the indication that people are starting to buy boats again.
2: Well, yeah, they have this this is the second year of fairly good boat sales, but right mm-hmm. now it's 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 good. You know, boat dealers had a terrible time for about. 10 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the first in the recession last out. Yeah. But the last couple of years have been pretty good. So this year, this year, I think, is going to be one of the better, one of the years that uh, would make them think that the recession never happened. But right. It's well, a Bart,
1: we're going to we're get into the whole show in a minute. But would you mind uh, kind of comment, I know I'm catching you off guard, about some of the things that you've seen in the last 40 years and how things have changed?
2: Well, I mean, well got, of course
1: you know, the, tackle and the gear. Yeah.
2: change i mean uh you know i we used to fish with penn senators and and you know and the Newell reels, and those are still great products that you can fish with, but when you compare that with a you know some of the new accurate reels, the Shimano reels, the Daiwa reels. Uh, there's no, there's no diff I mean, there's no comparison. You know, Two-speed reels and the drag systems that are available today. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. We, you know, and then, and then not only really, and the fishing how it's changed in our local region. I mean, the fact that we've had bluefin now as regular inhabitants of our waters year-round. We we've had reports of catching bluefin the last 18 months in a row it's like ridiculous yeah, well, so uh, yeah, so you know, everything's it's... changing you know people are people are fishing off the off the rails now you know we didn't, nobody used to use a rail and now, oh. you know, the rails are common,
1: you By the way. I uh,
2: used to say, the rail is your friend. You know?
1: Bart, yeah, well, especially for me. Remember the old uh, uh, rods with a butt rail for, uh, for, co- for, uh, for deep water fishing with uh-huh. this reel with this uh, Dacron line and a, yeah. ha- and a handle that was had a butt? You know, the thing was huge. But that's what, you know, that, that, that worked.
2: Well, that's what you needed then to get those big fish. Now you can use that accurate. Uh little what is it? Uh the eight hundred and it is it's small, it's light, it's Holds a lot of line, and it's mm-hmm. just amazing, you know. Hey Bart, you know, and, and, and the same thing with you know Shimano and Daiwa making great,
1: great reels. Great reels. Uh, Bart Frank Selby just escaped from the doctor's office, and he's on the line with this. And uh, I'll bet Frank has some stories about the uh, the last forty years in fishing. Uh, Frank, do you remember those uh, uh, knucklebusters? Ro- ro- yeah, the the uh, used to have five ganyon hooks. Um, yeah and three pound weight or whatever it was, and with a Dacron line and it it's like it wasn't it was more of a wedge than a reel
7: it was uh I remember the old pins that didn't have that had a drag, but when they ran the the whole handle spun it was one to one
1: ratio oh no
7: yeah, and a calcutta rod
1: yeah. Yeah, well, things are, things are changing a little bit. And, you know, the high tech is just, you know, it's changing at the speed of technology. They've got some materials now that we didn't, hadn't even heard of five years ago.
7: Yep. I love the new lines. I don't care. All the lines have changed so much and gotten so much thinner. Oh, it's the fishing lines. Yeah. Done. yeah.
1: Well, let's let Bart comment on that. Uh, I I know that if you want to commit, well, and Frank fix knows more out. about
7: it than I do. <laughs> <say that right. laughs> but uh, oh, you know, yeah, that's hey Bart. I always think it. of that little spinning rod you gave uh, you gave me on the boat with the braided line. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun fight.
2: That 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 was an accurate spinning reel, and yeah, they. Oh,
1: I didn't know they made yeah. it.
2: Yeah, yeah, they do, and um, and it's. Uh, I think that's a lot of fun. But you know, the new lines are amazing. You know, all the the power pros and the J braids, and you know, they're they're amazing, amazing, amazing. see so, so, so strong, so light, and uh, you know, and so. Uh, well, you
1: know, you know, it used to be. It's been a while, but it used to be you'd have, uh, you know, say a hundred or eighty pound test line or or more on your reel, and you could hold maybe, I I don't know, maybe 300 yards, something like that, and if you got a big fish on, uh, and you're running out of line, you're running out of reel, uh, you'd tie off the uh, rod and reel to another one and throw it in the water, and then you bring, and you bring it back Frank up. I
2: heard Frank Lopresti talking about that the other day, and he, he said, yeah, we... You know, we used to do that. We don't have to do that very much anymore because of the new lines and yeah. the reels yeah. and the new drag system.
1: Yeah. I mean, you But can, you know,
2: you still had a you still had a 30% chance of losing your rod
7: and reel when it did that. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's
7: a $1000. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, well, when you're after him, but uh, yeah, that's, you know, it would take a little bit of something uh to throw your rod in the water. Yeah, especially it does. with a six hundred dollar reel on it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so those are those are some of the things, and of course the the rods themselves, the technology is uh, it, well, it's it's incredible. They've got you know you know of course they got carbon fiber, but now they've got you know even other newer stuff, and it's uh, hey, fiberglass still works, though, doesn't it? it works well,
2: I think really you, good. Some of, some of the companies are. Intentionally making uh, all glass rods again, or or part, you know, mostly glass rods, because fiberglass has a great feel. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and one one of the again, you know, I've said it so many times, is that when you're at the hall show, they normally have deals. you know I know. Bart gets upset when we start talking about deals, but they have, you know, the show specials, let's put it that way, and you can get some incredible bargains and some of these uh, uh, high-dollar reels, and again, I'd like to say that when you buy quality equipment, you're never going to be sorry. It's when you pay too little. Is that when you realize that uh, you maybe shouldn't have bought it?
2: Well, I don't. I don't think there's really great deals on high quality reels. They they don't they don't yeah. normally do right. that. But I'll tell you what. I've been looking at some of the specials from some of our major retailers, and mm-hmm. in my entire life, I have never seen so many deals as I've seen this year uh, at Long Beach and Del Mar. There's going to be. An enormous amount of fishing tackle sold at ridiculously low prices.
7: Mm. Yeah. Amazing.
2: Yeah. I'm talking about $500 off. $400 off. <laughs> <Yeah>. Really? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. you, I yeah. mean, I can't go into it, but you've got to go check them out.
1: Yeah, get, un, out the, yeah, get I mean on down there. there. Hey, and this yeah. is this is not tire-kicking time. It only comes around oh. once a year, so you get, yeah. get ready and do it. And uh, Mark is telling me they've got just about a minute left. But... Uh, Bart, we always enjoy having you on, and of course, in over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Long Beach Show, but uh, something like a thousand booths, uh, and you've got people from all over the world if you want to go fishing or hunting in uh, the gears, uh, you know, in the special prices. And main thing is it's going to take some time because we've got Frank, hopefully, will be there as a seminar. But, you know, it, it takes a couple of days to go through it, so plan on that. And, uh, Bart, again, I know that you're getting ready for the Bakersfield show, and I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, but we'll talk to you next week anyway.
2: Okay, well... Thanks, guys. Bye, right, John. Bye.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye.
6: Hey, Mike, I think we need some more count now.
4: Let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn, located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides, and even bird watching guides, and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at MangroveInBaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598.
9: Hi, I'm Bart Hall and I'm honored to tell you about the 72nd annual Fred Hall Show, March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center. I am proud of our 72-year-old history and amazed that the little show my father produced at Gilmore Stadium in 1946 could have grown into the 2018 version of the Fred Hall Show. It has become the world's largest and most exciting sport fishing show, one of the nation's most prominent boat shows, and a world-class international travel and hunting show. We'll entertain you all day with nearly 1,000 booths, over 400 seminars, acres of boats, and dozens of family fun activities kids 15 and under are always free but the fred hall shows also strive to help preserve the lifestyle of fishing hunting boating and outdoor recreation that so many of us cherish you can help by joining the coastal conservation association of california and when you do you'll get in free join us and celebrate the passion for outdoor recreation at the fred hall show march 7th to the 11th at the long beach convention center presented by progressive check us out at fredhall.com
0: Back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and
1: we have Frank Selby, our co host, back on the line. And, you know, he just uh, was great for him to be able to make it because he, uh, how did you, what did you do to your finger, your.
7: I threw a computer and cracked my uh, the middle part of my neck. And, <laughs> I'll, so tell have I'll, t- I'll tell you what.
1: I'll tell you what. I've been tempted to do that more than once. <laughs> well, you know what? It. And I can throw my my uh, smart stupid smartphone even farther than I can throw the computer. Yeah. But, anyway, let's not go there. But uh, we also have a very famous uh, guest on the line, uh, Frank uh, uh, Selby. Can you introduce Frank Duarte?
7: Yeah, Frank Duarte is a guide in uh, Montana. He, he and some of my buddies fished together and guided together for years. He uh, Now he's in Northern California guiding on... Four or five different rivers. Is that right, Frank?
10: Yeah, I got on the uh, Smith and the Sacramento, Yuba, Feather, and I also got on the Chetco and Oregon.
1: Whoa, those are some pretty famous rivers.
10: (laughs) Oh yeah, after winter steelhead,
7: yeah, you got to go where the fishing's good.
1: Well, tell us about tell us about winter steelhead.
7: I'm sorry, Frank. Oh, I was going to ask him, uh, you guys came in second on the the derby on Steelhead this year? Yes,
10: it was really, uh, it was pretty much a larger than life story uh, because I had a stroke uh, at the last derby. And uh, then they found out that I had lung cancer.
1: Oh my God! And
10: they they removed half my lung, and I spent oh, most no. of the year most of the year convalescing. Well, I started guiding to get in about July, well, August.
1: Well, how old are you, Frank?
10: I'm sixty-seven.
1: Well, you're just a kid. You're a baby.
10: I know. But the fact that I went out in a Gurney and ended up on the podium was overwhelming. But uh yeah, we took second place. It was really tough derby. It was low water conditions and uh, uh really, really tough.
1: And which river uh, which river was this, Frank?
10: Well, it's it's, uh, it's one day on the Smith and one day on the Chetco. So you fish one day in California and you fish one day in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And then they measure your total inches. And uh, there's 40 boats, 20 teams, two boats to a team, four anglers. Then you add up the total inches and uh, then you have first, second, third place.
1: Oh, so you got to pick the right teammates, don't you?
10: Well, it's all, the teammates, they pick you. You know, uh, the the clients pick the guy. They get to pick one guide, and then they draw. Oh,
1: oh, okay, so it's a pro-am thing?
10: Well, it's a fundraiser. The hatchery is the only private hatchery in California. It's a Rowdy Creek hatchery, and it's self-funded. All by sportsmen. And years ago, and like, uh, I think it was back in 70, 70, nine i think uh the department of fishing gave they were mixing steelhead strains they were bringing the eel river fish into the smith and that and so we kind of threw out the state and developed our own hatchery so that we could just keep the pure smith river strain which are the largest steelhead in california
1: oh i didn't realize that there was different strains of steelhead i guess
7: uh makes sense
10: Yeah, well, each river has its own strain. Mm
7: -hmm. Uh, So how many days a year do you get to fish in uh, northern California?
10: Well, in a good year, I usually guide 200 days or more. Yeah. But switch around, you know, salmon, striper, trout, shad,
7: steelhead. Well, somebody was coming up to fish. For like stripers, what would you recommend the best time to come to see you?
10: About the time your taxes are due. Yeah.
7: <laughs> I don't like to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing to associate with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, t- uh, Frank, don't worry about it because in order to pay taxes, you have to pay mo- you have to earn money. <laughs> yeah. So I don't worry about that. But that's that's
10: generally the peak. And uh, you know it starts in late March and it can go all the way into May, depending on how hot it's been, how warm the water gets, because the stripers will spawn if it gets warm, hmm. and then it'll be over.
1: Well, where but, do you uh, what, what? river do you fish the stripers for?
10: Uh, mostly Sacramento. In yeah. high water years, we'll go to the Feather.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, those are those are fun fish and. And you know we always encourage catch and release, but they do taste good, don't they?
10: Oh yeah, they're they're very fine, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. So uh, if somebody wanted to go up to find you, how would they go about finding you now?
10: Uh, they can just Google me. I have a website. So and what's your web? So- go dot com.
1: That's G-U-A-R-T-E. Yeah, Frank Duarte, and um, yeah, yeah you—it's uh, you know—it's it's so easy to find people these days. You can't get away.
10: Yeah, it's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, but uh, the so again, let's go over. You got the Steelhead Run, and you ever get any kings that uh, that go up that river?
10: Not in the winter time. The kings go up in the fall, mm-hmm. but it's really, the fall fishery is really water dependent
11: mm-hmm.
10: on the smith, and I, uh, I fished it for a few years, but you don't get enough days in because you get a storm and it's good for two or three days, and then it peters out. You're fishing on the bobber. Mm-hmm. So I stay back in the valley where you have consistent water flows. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'll, you know, just, uh, just out of curiosity for my own edification... Um, a guide uh, is important, especially a local guide, because he knows where and how. But the, you know, the river is a, is something that moves and changes. And I'm wondering if you can comment on that. Is that? Well, dang! They were here yesterday.
10: Well, yeah. There's every time there's high water, it tra- it changes dramatically. Matt, my thoughts on that is it usually high water takes away more than it gives it it fills in more good holes than it creates mm-hmm. It seems that way, but it just makes you, you know, fish all the harder. You got to, it it kind of is like a clean slate. Now we're going to see who can read water. Yeah. Because the old hole might not be fishing. You got to figure out the new holes. And it just takes time on the water Mm -hmm. and being very observant.
1: Well, if you wouldn't mind, give us a quick tip. Uh, Normally, if you've got a rock in the stream, you've got an eddy. Yeah, uh, and it creates uh, you know a little place for the fish to hide out, waiting for the something to fall into their mouth. But uh, give us an idea about reading the water.
10: Well, if if, you're, if it's a brand new piece of water, you're gonna go for the foam line and the seams, uh, next to rocks, behind rocks. You're gonna want to cast downstream, not upstream, because you'll snag up. But uh there's just, you know, you're looking for, you look at the bank and see how the bank is shaped. And that kind of gives you a general idea of what the river looks like underneath. Oh. And you just have to be observant. But a good place to start is the fold line It any seams. Uh, and if a riffle looks good, you know, it's just, you know, it gets to a point where you just kind of, it just kind of feels fishy.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned something that I think is important is that um, landscape. I mean, if you've got uh, um, a hill or whatever it is, no matter how steep it is, it tends to, you know, continue. Uh, and that's when, right. it, when it hits the water line, it's going to continue the same angle and the same, you know, the, the same topography that it does above. So when you're looking at the shoreline. Yeah, the water's dropping off, it's more than likely it's going to continue to drop off as it gets underwater.
10: That's true, and you can also tell what kind of bottom you have that way, too. Oh, on the Smith River we have a real rocky bottom and it's very very snaggy and uh, we go through sometimes 25 35 rigs a day that we lose in weights in balls but the Chetco it's more like pea gravel it's much smoother bottom and it's much easier to fish and you just all you do is look at the look at the bank and out of the gravel bars and it'll tell you pretty much how your bottom of your river is mm-hmm. I'm kind of old school, you know. I started fishing before. All I had was uh, the fish finders were just like little... I forget what you call it.
1: A bottom sounder, yeah.
10: Yeah, just a pulse, you know. Yeah. And uh, the way we used to find the bottom for shad fishing, you want like about five, six feet of water and a gravel bottom. Well, we took old dowels. Yeah. We'd take a 12-foot dowel and we'd paint one-foot markers on it. We'd Uh drift along the river and feel it. Right. And look for the right bottom, and we found a lot of good fishing spots that way.
0: Well, to tell
1: you the truth, my theory is that... the fish finders but they're showing you on the screen is just a screen saver just because it shows something there doesn't mean there is and just because it doesn't show something doesn't mean it's not
10: that's that's very true that's very true. You, you still got to use all your senses when yeah. you're using a fish finder, right. and if you're watching your fish finder, you're not watching everything else. There so. you go. It's a, they're a two-edged sword.
1: Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna run out of time in this segment, um, but I think we got some good tips, and uh, you know we'd like to have you back again. And you know we always, you know, now Frank already knows everything, but after doing this show for 15 years, I'm still learning.
7: Everybody learns (laughs) something every day. If (laughs) you do not learn something on the water.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we know what that means. Uh, Frank Duarte. Uh, Just Google Frank Duarte, the guide service, and you're operating out of Chico right now, correct? That's right. All righty. Thank you, Frank. You're listening, listening to Fish and Hunt Talk Radio.
4: Lake Cabot, seventh place in America's top 100 family-friendly places to boat and fish, the lake is in the Bay Area, only 45 minutes away from San Francisco. This scenic destination boasts over a dozen hiking and biking trails, trophy-sized fish, boat rentals, Bay Area kayak tours, and a picturesque eating area at the surprisingly delicious cafe. Tell them John Hennigan sent you, and they'll even give you a special gift on California parks. Visit Recreation.com for information. That's LakeCabotRecreation.com.
12: The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25-miles-per-gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 mpg highway based on V6 4x2.
5: The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world-famous for sport fishing. Dorado, Tuna, Wahoo, Marlin, Sailfish, Roosterfish, and Parco. The Van Warmer Resort Make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll free to 877 777 Tuna to find out how affordable world class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877 777 Tuna.
8: Welcome
0: back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we're having fun. Um, learned a lot.
1: Yeah, I always learn a lot. That's why I like doing this, right, Frank? Yes, we but, do. Like I said, you always—you already know everything, but uh, there's always—never know uh, everything. Always, there's always something else. But <clears throat> Pyramid Lake is a premium. Um, it's big. How big? Uh, well, that's. I'm sorry. We should probably get ahead of ourselves. Uh yeah. Julianne Jackson, who is a booking agent, business manager for Pyramid Lake Guides, and uh, so we got some questions for Julianne. I know it's big. Hey guys. But mm-hmm. give us give us perspective. I mean, don't tell me. You know, tell me something. It's I can about understand. 30
14: miles long and oh, about yeah. 11 miles wide.
1: That is that is big.
14: And it's an average of 300 feet deep. Whoa. 300 Mm -hmm. feet. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot of geothermal activity, too. So you'll see, like, hot springs and different, you know, caverns and things like that. Hmm. So,
7: so do. so, Julie, uh, you uh, some of the guides, you will take out their lunches to them and all that kind of stuff too, right, from your place? Yep.
14: Yep, we have a, a little lake house here, um, but we usually pack a lunch for the guides and they take it out to the lake and have it right there with a the table and chairs. If it's not too windy, because this is Nevada and it, it gets windy, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm, like today.
1: we're in... Uh... Frank and I are from pretty much Southern California, I'm in Santa Barbara, and, and they're expecting rain tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, this year, I don't know what it's been like there, but it's normally, um, you know, I like to wear shorts. Yeah. So n- normally long pants go from maybe Thanksgiving to, um, you know, through the end of January. But this year, mm-hmm. this year, man, I don't think I've worn my shorts more than once or twice.
14: Mm, yeah, it's been unusual here. January was warm and mild. We did not have a lot of windy days, but now it's it's cooled back down. We're having winter conditions. We've had snow a couple of times. Temps around thirty. So bundle up if you come this way.
1: <laughs> okay, and uh, how do we get to Pyramid?
14: So it's just thirty-five miles straight north from Reno. So um, you oh. take Pyramid Highway, and it's actually in the oh. same desert as Burning Man. So oh. you pass through this um, reservation. It's on a Paiute reservation. You pass through it to get to Burning Man, if mm. you've ever well, seen that, just I north realize, of Pyramid.
1: I didn't realize it was that far north. So, mm-hmm. Yeah,
14: but, it's a really unusual place.
1: Well, what um, what kind of fish? I mean, in that big of water, you probably got everything.
14: So, typically, people are fishing for Lahontan cutthroat here, and it has the world's largest cutthroat trout in it, and that's um, the Pilot Peak Strain, Mm -hmm. and then they also have the Summit Lake Strain, which is just really three strains of Lahontan cutthroat into one. Mm. Um, So, that's primarily what people are fishing for, but it also has, like, Sacramento perch. It has um, the native kweewe fish, which is only found here in this lake. And what is that? Um, It's like a lake sucker.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
14: Um, they tend to be smaller. Um, and then there's also carp in it down on the south end, um, mm-hmm. but we don't usually see those during the winter. Mm-hmm. And then there's a small little to each of, and the, La- the Lahontans love to eat that. That's like the main hmm. main source of their diet.
1: And who is that? That's the Indians?
14: That's the Lahontan cutthroat, yeah. And then, and then this is on the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation. And so, yeah, the tribal members they can fish for the any type of species here, and they can you know keep as many as they want. And then there are regulations for non-tribal members and things like that to mm-hmm. keep the populations steady. Mm-hmm.
7: So I got a couple questions. Sure. What's the average day like if you go out and fish the ladders? Uh, mm-hmm. That's when it's really cold. That's the coldest I've ever been.
14: It's a winter fishery. So, you know, you Southern California boys, it can be tough for you guys. (laughs) Because it's it's always, if if it's cold and stormy and windy, that equals good fishing on this lake. So, Hmm. We watch for storms, you know, we tell people if they can plan their trip around a storm, that's typically the best fishing. Um, it's just those hmm. big, big fish come into the shore to feed um, well, when it's windy. So well, that, that's what we watch
1: well, for. And with the lake that size, it, I mean, it's, it's almost like one of the Great Lakes. So if you get some wind, you've probably got some swells.
14: Yeah, and there's also currents in this lake. So um, you see a little bit of that, like the wind will be going one direction and the current could be going another. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's an alkaline lake, so it doesn't freeze. Um, And you just get these big rolling waves that come in. And so we use these ladders that are like five or six feet tall and they have a chair up on top and they're like an A-frame, and they're custom-made, and they're really comfortable, but they get you up out of those waves,
1: oh. and it
14: also helps you get to the shelves where the, so the fish it's tend it's to hang like out. A,
1: it's like a hunting stand, only you're on the water.
14: Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But you're but up about get up out five feet, water. aren't you? What's up?
7: I says we're up about five feet with the the ladders, but they, the new ones yep. now have chairs and everything, so you're pretty comfortable.
14: Yeah, they're really nice. They're padded seats, and, you know, they're they're like a lightweight metal frame that folds up, and they have wheels and everything. So, you know, I can pick one up myself and load it into the car and wheel it out to the beach. So they're nice to have.
1: Okay, so this is not a permanent thing. It's just something you can set up as you use it?
14: Right. Hmm. Take it in and out of your car, yeah. And regulation requires that you take your ladder with you when you're done, so you can't mm-hmm. leave it out there, too. So. Hmm.
1: Well, Frank, that sounds like something you use for fly fishing, isn't it?
14: Yeah, yeah, oh, well there's a lot of fly fishermen up
7: there getting big ones. Mm-hmm. And I I usually hear that her husband catches more fish than a lot of the other guides.
14: <laughs> yeah, they do a good job. They I just got off the phone with him. He has a couple of guys out from Boise today and they just got a fourteen pounder, so fourteen pound trout's pretty cool. Mm.
7: <laughs> that's good in anybody's
14: book.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I said, we go up to Alaska, and if you get a 14-pound king, you know, that's not a bad-sized king. Yeah. yeah. For, a, you know, for a silver or something like that, you'd very rarely find him that big. So a salmon <laughs> that's uh, 14 pounds coming from fresh water, that's... <laughs> That's that's pretty impressive. But You said it. Yeah. Apparently, apparently there's enough other feed in the lake, and of course that's what makes big fish is small fish.
14: Yeah, well, they, they have a lunch, nice diet here.
7: They get lunch, what, once a week? They bring the stock trout and dump them off?
14: You know, I'm not sure how often they do it. I just know that they've been doing it recently. Um, yep. And there's there's a couple of hatcheries right here, you know, um, right on the lake that they use. So, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tribe works with biologists and things like that to to make sure that this strain t- stays abundant because it was extinct for about seventy years. Um, it was right. overfished. The lake was netted in the twenties and thirties to feed the mining communities of mm-hmm. the west.
1: And what? And, was, and, it, and what,
14: what species was this? This was the Lahontan cutthroat. So it was the world's largest cutthroat trout, the Pilot Peak strain, and the world record is actually from 1925. It's still the the holding record of the largest cutthroat, and it was 41 pounds.
7: Oh my God! I got a question I need to ask you. If I was coming up, how would I get in touch with you?
14: So we have a website you know the internet's great for that we're on all the social media but we have a website it's pyramidlakeguides.com and we have a facebook and instagram both at pyramidlakeguides.com and that has our phone numbers on it and i'm with my phone all day long and you know nick and the other guides that we use they're out on the water every day so Mm -hmm. um you know we're available to answer any questions that people have about conditions or if they want to book a trip
7: Well, maybe me and John might sneak up there one weekend and try it.
14: What do you think,
1: John? I'll tell you what—that's that's that's impressive. I didn't realize how far north it was, but uh, um, sounds like a beautiful area. So it's—I guess it's kind of east of the Eastern Sierras.
14: Yeah. Mm Mhm. Exactly.
7: So it'd be about a ten to twelve-hour drive from Santa Barbara there, right? No, it wouldn't be
3: that yeah, much. Yeah, I think yeah. it's about
14: 10, yeah. Mm. But you guys could fly into Reno, too. Um, You know, we have all there the gear that anyone would need. Um, we just ask people to bring their own waders and boots just because it's so mm-hmm. personal, like, specific to their needs. Mm-hmm. But we have all the rods, you know. We have indicator rods, streamer rods. We have spinning rods with, you know, a zig-jig on it. We have plenty of ladders, so, you know, you, you wouldn't need much.
1: Mm. You know, Frank, we keep learning about all these great places we got to go.
7: Yeah. Yeah, Well, now all we have to do is get enough time to go see them all. Mm -hmm.
14: (laughs) Yeah, you have to stop working for a little bit.
7: Yeah. Oh, I can't do that. (laughs)
14: That's
1: what. Yeah. That's what keeps me young. Yeah. But uh, go ahead, Frank.
7: uh, Well, Julie, uh, you also uh, sometimes in the summer you go to a different place and uh, you have guides down there too, correct?
14: Yeah. So this is like a winter fishery. So the season is October 1 to June 30. But really the fishing revolves around the colder water temps. So ideally, it's like November to April. Mm -hmm. And so once the water starts to warm up again, we head back to the Green River, Utah, and guide there um, just below Flaming Gorge Dam. Mm -hmm. So we're there from April to October. Um, That has an estimated 15,000 fish per mile.
1: We're going to have to go, but uh, 30 feet long and 10 miles, or 30 miles long and 10 miles wide, that's that's, that's like uh, Lake Erie. But... uh, Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, it sounds like you fish the entire area, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, we're pretty much out of time. But okay. uh, And just uh, uh, get in touch with Julianne and and put uh, Pyramid, I guess, once you type in Pyramid Lake Guides.
14: PyramidLakeGuides.com. Okay. All yes, righty thank then. Thank you, Julie. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me.
1: No, it's great. Uh, I learned something. <laughs> yeah, of, course, of course, Frank already knew everything. but
7: you know. No, I, you, you keep saying that. If I don't learn something every day, I get stagnant.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right, we're out of here. You are listening to Fish and Hunting Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to the show as many times as you want.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we're going to finish up. We talked
1: Julianne into hanging around for a little bit more, so um, apparently Frank knows uh, uh, Julie fairly well. You said Julie. Can we call you Julie, Julianne?
14: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. but uh, Hey, Ju- let's say hey we're Julie. Talk- we're talking about oh, Lake Pyramid. Go ahead.
7: Oh, Julie? uh, Oh, one little question. Like, a lot of times you're booked, but you can always call, if they, if you're booked, you can usually 99% of the time find one of the other guides that will do it for you. Yes, we have a couple of guys that we work
14: with, yeah, that we can yeah. contract out. They're all independent contractors, so, um, you know, and it's pretty competitive, so we're all, you know, everybody's looking to help each other out. So, yeah, if we, you know, if one of our guides is booked, we can call another one and set it up. So, yeah, that works.
7: And you can set it up for them,
14: right? Yep, Mm-hmm. yep. And we, you know, we include lunch in all of our full-day trips, so I have all their lunches prepared, and we we make sure that all the guides have enough gear and everything to accommodate well, if whatever really, size group.
1: If you're going to go on a guided trip, what do they do? You just kind of take a boat and go out in the middle of the lake, or give us so an idea they, of what it's like to fish with a guide.
14: They do have boats here, um, but they're like they're scheduled a little bit differently. They're a charter, um, and there's a couple of guys that do that out of here, but we just do from shore. Oh. So we have those custom ladders that we were talking about, mm-hmm. and we load them up. We have a rack. We have two guide vehicles that we use, and we load them up on a rack on the back of the car, and we wheel them out to the beach for you and, and set it up right there.
1: Hmm. And you put them in like five feet of water, six feet of water right next to shore?
14: Yeah. Yeah, not quite that deep, but yeah, like like three or four and it just helps you get farther out to the shelves and gets you up out of the waves.
1: Mm-hmm. How close into shore do the to the fish come?
14: Right now, they're all the way up there. You'll be on your ladder and you'll just see them right right below you. Mm. It's really crazy. Or you'll see them rolling out, you know, just ten or twenty feet away from you. They look like little dolphins because they're so big.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they swim under the ladders.
14: Mm-hmm.
7: Yep. Yeah, I've seen that twice. <laughs> it, it happens. Well,
1: and that's it's always that's a, it's always the biggest. Uh, that, you know, that's interesting because especially when you're fly fishing, people think you have to throw it a long ways. But you know, you no. could be you could be throwing it a long ways, and the fish is, is swimming between your legs.
14: Mm-hmm. I'm not a really strong caster, and, you know, I catch fish on this lake, you know. Or we have switch rods, too, which really helps your cast get out farther, and they're easy to use. I just learned how to use one this season. Nick taught me how to use it, okay, and I'm it sorry, what kind doubles of, my cast.
1: What kind of rod was that?
14: It's a switch rod. It's like a two-handed rod, and you're oh, kind of doing oh. like a roll cast on it, and mm-hmm. it just gets your, your line out a lot further. Mm-hmm. So that helps. But it's like you're saying, it's not always necessary. You know, you you don't have to be casting like 50 feet to get to these fish. Sometimes they're right there in the shore. Hmm. Yeah.
7: So uh, w- you, you, right now is the best time to be up there. Am I correct or wrong?
14: It's a good time to be here. It's also the busiest, so you have to get to the beaches a little early. Um, tribal regulation allows you to fish one hour before sunrise and one hour after sundown. So you just have to, you know, you want to be in the area to get a good spot as early as you can and then just, you know, don't have your ladder or your your rod in the water until one hour before. But it is busy right now. Um, the spawn is happening right now, so good numbers.
1: All right. Well, it looks like we're getting cut off, but uh, thank you, Julianne, and uh, she's a booking agent uh, for Pyramid Lake Guides, just so you can find that. What an incredible lake. I had no idea, but we appreciate (laughs) you coming on, Julianne, and Frank, don't go anywhere because we're going to need you coming up in the next hour. You are listening.
7: Don't worry. I won't.
1: You are listening to uh, Fish and Hunting Talk Radio.
0: Welcome to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio. With John Henneken, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. This is John Hennegan and we also have Frank
1: Subby, our perennial. Is host or co-host? I, I think he started off as a co-host, but she doesn't need me anymore.
11: <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, you, uh,
1: Frank. First of all, we've got good news and bad news. We've been telling people that if they want to go with us in July, get start early. Well, uh, you're too late. You missed it. It's booked up. So the next time we tell you to, to start early, pay attention. And by the way, I would like to mention that um, sometimes the second hour is not easy to get, but you can always go to uh, the website called fishtalkradio.com and it's all there. So the first hour, second hour. And also, I got, I was going to bring it with me and open it, but I got a package from uh, Mystery Tackle. And we're going to be talking some more about that, but it, it's uh, you sign up for this program and you get—I uh, was purposely didn't open it because I wanted to open it on the air—but you get it came with these two boxes of tackle, and it's it's dirt cheap. So you know you get something to look forward to every month. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk some more about that. and We'll see if we can bring them on next week. So anyway. Um, what else? Oh, um, we're going to be talking to um, Eddie. Uh, that Eddie Del Mar, Del. Anyway, uh, he's 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 the guy from Van Warmer Resorts, and we're going to be talking about that. Maybe we should put a trip together to go to East Cape, Frank
7: yeah
1: we might have to do that yeah well we got so many places to go but it's always easier to go to some place that's reasonable and easy to get to and you just you know you fly into los cabos airport the van picks you up takes you there and it is absolutely stunning. It's beautiful there. Get up in the morning, have breakfast, look out at the ocean. The fishing boats are going out. Come back in and, you know, watch all the fishing come in. And sometimes you can look out at breakfast and you can see uh, you can see fish out there a couple hundred yards offshore. Anyway, we're going to um, get back to the real part of it. We're going to come back with Eddie and talk about that. We'll be right back with you.
4: It's time to enjoy the biggest Southern California reservoir located in Hemet, just 90 minutes from Los Angeles and San Diego. Getting away from the summer heat, fall and winter bring ideal fishing weather, world-renowned for its black bass fishing, also home to the bluegill and red ear sunfish, rainbow trout, and both blue and channel catfish. Bring your boat or rent one of ours. Tell them John Hennigan sent you and they'll give you a special gift on California parks. Visit dvmarina.com. That's dvmarina.com.
6: It's time for the spectacular 72nd Annual Fred Hall Show, March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center, the world's largest fishing show, California's largest trailer boat show, and a world-class international fishing and hunting travel show. Nearly 1,000 booths, acres of boats, over 400 seminars, the Mammoth Lakes Kids Fish Free Trout Pond, the Daiwa Bass Tank, the Accurate Fishing Saltwater Tank, the Hobie Kayak Fishing Theater, Ram Trucks Ultimate Air Dogs, Costa Sporting Chef Cafe, Cousins Tackle Seminar Stage, Huge Pew- Marine Electronics Display, Demo Boats on the Water, Free Dive, Fly Fishing, Air Gun Ranges, Casting, Hobie Test Rides, The Paul Bunyan Lumberjack Show, Jack Dagger, The King of Fling, and so much more. Kids Free, Kids Fish Free. Join Cal and get in free. Celebrate the passion of fishing, boating, hunting, and outdoor recreation in the nation's number one show. The Fred Hall Show, March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center. Presented by Progressive. Details at FredHall.com.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan,
1: and we have with us someone we haven't talked to for much too long, and we have Eddie. Now, I'm not sure what title he carries around with him, but pretty much Eddie runs the show at the Van Warmer Resorts, at least on the front side. And he goes to all the shows and books everything, makes the deals, and, uh, you know, if you want a deal... Uh, Talk to me. We'll we'll fix you up. Right, Eddie?
15: That's exactly right, John. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate being on with you guys today.
1: And it is, uh, you know, it might be a little bit late for some people because they like to plan six months or a year in advance. But as I mentioned, the um, people that did not uh, sign up for the Ketchikan trip lost out because it's fully booked. So we want to we want to see if we can get uh, Palmas de Cortez and uh, Playa del Sol fully booked. But you've got some interesting news. Tell us what's going on in East Cape with the Van Warmers.
15: Well, you know, uh, the, the great thing about our season is that we have such a long season. You know, pretty much we get going in April and we go all the way to November. So even if you are planning, you know, eight to six months out, you still have plenty of opportunity to get into the fishing season because we have a much longer season than most. But, uh, you know, a lot of exciting things are happening uh, with the van warmers down in Los Barillas. We just finished doing a complete remodel of uh, Hotel Playa del Sol, which is the sister hotel to Hotel Palmas de Cortez there in Los Barillas. All the rooms have been remodeled. Um The the rooms and bathrooms have been remodeled, and so everything looks great. The the rooms are as nice, if not nicer, than the rooms at Palmas now. Um, It's really become a really neat little boutique hotel, only 26 rooms on the property, so it stays kind of mellow.
1: Is it finished yet?
15: It's all finished, yeah. Well, they're still doing some exterior work, but all the rooms are done. Um, We just did a couple of of the Ocean View rooms. They made them into uh, what we call uh, king Ocean Views, uh, like junior suites. Um, They have a king bed. They're kind of meant for couples to come down. Um, They're super nice. They have mini-fridge, blender, microwave. Um, King bed, all remodeled, so it's really nice for a couple. If you're going to come well, you, down, you and,
1: need that blender and, for the margaritas. That's for sure. Exactly,
15: and uh, it's you know it's just nice to have something you know a few rooms that are, are a little a well, uh, notch up in it, case your wife uh, requires something a little let, nicer. Let you me know. make
1: a couple of quick comments. We don't have much time, but sure. I want to give uh, people. I want to paint a picture. I've stayed at the uh, <clears throat> uh, Playa del Sol. I think probably because uh, Palmas de Cortez was booked, but the Playa del Sol was, it's nice, the rooms are nice, and it's just 100 yards down the beach from uh, Palmas, but usually people that stay at the Playa del Sol, they'd walk over to the Palmas de Cortez for the pool and the pool bar and and all of that, but... uh, you know, it, it's it's nice, but kind of basic. I guess is the best way to do it. Not a lot of activity, but it sounds like what you've done is tremendous. It's uh, you mentioned something about a boutique uh, registered with the with the uh, the government.
15: Yeah, you know that now that they, they've they've stepped it up a little bit over there because, like you said, you know it wasn't as resorty as Palmas de Cortez, but they've stepped it up now, made it really nice, and uh, they're getting a, a boutique certificate from the from the government, the hotel association
1: there, and so it will be a well, boutique what is, hotel. What, what does that mean? I, you and I, I have an made, idea. You
15: got it. In order to have a boutique hotel, you got to have uh, a certain quality of rooms, a certain quality of uh, on the exterior property, and uh, then they come in and see if it if it reaches that that level, and they classify it as a boutique hotel. It's kind of like saying like a five-star, a four-star, yeah. oh, okay. uh, but the boutique, is it has to be small, uh, it has to be under a certain number of rooms, and then they classify it as a boutique hotel, and we've really stepped it up. It's a really beautiful property, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think people are really going to like it. You know, they got, they still have their own dock out front, Ocean View, uh, oh. so really there's no need to walk over there anymore over to Palmas. I mean, you're going to love being over at Playa del Sol.
1: Well, i got my favorite bartenders over there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Uh, that the, you know, but it sounds like the, you've changed the point where the activity. There's no reason you know to walk down the beach, and I, I'll, I'll say that out of all of the resorts, anywhere, anywhere, um, the uh, the Bay of the Palms and uh, Palmas de Cortez has just an incredible... You, you go down, and they serve breakfast early before you get on the boat, and you look out the window, and all the fishing boats are out there, and I've actually seen fish a couple hundred yards from shore. Oh, it's absolutely. got this flat, sandy beach that goes for miles and miles and miles. You know, if you want to... We're not going to tell you to take an ATV because you're not supposed to, but <laughs> if you did, uh, it's popular uh, uh, for fly fishing and for... Uh, um, surf fishing. So you just kind of cruise up and down that long. Gosh, it's got to be five miles. Um, yeah. yeah,
15: yeah. There's a great activity center too, right there in front of Palmas de Cortez now, and they they offer stand up paddle boards, kayaking, jet skis, ATVs, snorkeling equipment, so you can go out and just snorkel right off the beach there. So a lot of a lot of things to do, even when you come back from your day of fishing, or if you know if some of the family stays behind and they don't fish every day, yeah. um, they, they'll they'll be entertained all day.
1: Yeah and it's just, it 's just it's it 's just a beautiful, beautiful beach, beautiful spot, and of course, what we like is things that are affordable and easy to get to I mean, yeah if it costs you two thousand dollars in airfare and transportation it 's like meh. but you fly directly into the uh, San Jose del cabo you know the the uh, uh, Cabo airport. And the van picks you up and takes you to the resort, and you walk in. they got a welcome drink for you, and you register, and you just hang out, kick back, and uh, just start enjoying life. And yeah, you, definitely. You do have a lot of people that are there other than for fishing.
15: Absolutely, yeah. You know, because of all the activities that we have, plus the uh, the day spa and things like that. And uh, we get a lot of locals that come from, uh, you know, the mainland Mexico, and they come just for the weekend and they just enjoy the resort, um, hang out at the bar. The, the pool bar is beautiful. Um, the activity center, we have a snack bar there. So a lot of things to do, beautiful location. And you can pretty much, you know, including airfare, uh, hotel, and fishing, you can pretty much do it for right around fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars $1,600 uh, per person, which is, you know, you really can't go many places for that kind of money.
1: Right, especially that's, you know, frequently they have the most incredible fishing, because from where you are, you can go uh, out to, uh, I mean, I've fished it so many times, out to the shark buoys, which are about 20 minutes or so away. And I'll have to tell you a story about a ponga that Pongarino that uh, that I took one time out of there, and then or you can go up a little bit to Siralbo Island, or if you want to, you can shoot down to uh, the Gordo Banks and if sure. fishing, but chances are you don't have to go anywhere. But let me tell you this quick story. I was down there with some friends of mine, and there was three of us and two pongas. So uh, um, Jesse and Eddie took one out. And they went out to I guess it was a shark buoy, and uh, not much going on. So the the boat captain tied some um, uh, mackerel or you know uh, you know some some bait to the line, and he says, well we'll come back in about an hour, and there's going to be plenty of fish here. Well they went out and they hooked into a marlin and they didn't get back. So you know just about that time. You know, we we showed up. Now this boat captain, 90% of them speak perfect English, and they're just all great people. But this guy, who is, is uh, his feet were as wide as they were long. He'd never worn a pair of shoes in his life, but he was a, he was a great boat captain. But he only he only knew three words in English, um, depending on how you put it up. Now, ex- excuse my French, but, but it's in the translation. The only thing he knew was sh f- and God. <laughs> <laughs> that was his, That was his entire vocabulary in English. Well, we, we and we went out uh, uh, and uh, found the uh, the shark buoy that they tied up to, and the Dorado started coming around, and you know I got like a thirty-seven, and I had a scale on the boat, like a thirty-seven pound, and then I got a the largest I've ever got was forty-five pounds. I got that one, and as I was fighting that forty-five pound to get in, the boat captain goes, got f- God." Grande, grande, grande. <laughs> there was this huge Dorado. You know, and when they're in a water like that, that's why they call them Dorado. It's gold. So they're gold and green, and just the whole yeah. water was shimmering with these things. And yeah, got it in, it was 57 pounds.
15: Wow, 57. That's huge.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fun. But anyway, very nice. it's, uh, um, it's real easy. Van Warmer Resorts, vanwarmerresorts.com. Eddie will be seeing you in Long Beach and hopefully you'll yeah. we'll be on there soon Thank yeah, you Eddie I'll be and thanks for Long calling the
15: Long Beach show. You right.
1: Okay, thanks you guys.
15: Get back to work on Monday.
3: Let me tell
4: you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel the chef will even cook your catch check it out at mangroveinbaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure that's 434-953-8598
9: Hi, I'm Bart Hall, and I'm honored to tell you about the 72nd annual Fred Hall Show, March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center. I am proud of our 72-year-old history and amazed that the little show my father produced at Gilmore Stadium in 1946 could have grown into the 2018 version of the Fred Hall Show. It has become the world's largest and most exciting sport fishing show, one of the nation's most prominent boat shows, and a world-class international travel and hunting show. We'll entertain you all day with nearly 1,000 booths, over 400 seminars, acres of boats and dozens of family fun activities kids 15 and under are always free but the fred hall shows also strive to help preserve the lifestyle of fishing hunting boating and outdoor recreation that so many of us cherish you can help by joining the coastal conservation association of california and when you do you'll get in free join us and celebrate the passion for outdoor recreation at the fred hall show march 7th to the 11th at the long beach convention center presented by progressive check us out at fredhall.com
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken This
1: is John Hennigan and also Frank Selby. We also have a guide. I guess he's a guide. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, in, in uh, Florida Keys. And, you know, right before we come on, Michael goes, Well, what are we going to talk about? I go, Michael, you live in Florida Keys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Frank uh, is familiar with it. And uh, so he's going to ask you some questions and just have a conversation and have some fun.
7: Yeah, Michael, good. how's the fishing been the last few weeks?
16: Actually, it's been really good. Um, starting to see, like, early season tarpon, like, big fish, and, and hooked a few, you know, jumped them on the fly. fly, um, had shots and hard falls from others. But, like, yeah, there's fish around, and the permit fishing's good. Like, the fishing's good right now. Um, I was out this afternoon with my buddy looking for, um, he had nice shots at laid-up tarpon.
1: I'm sorry, say that yeah. again?
16: We just had shots that laid up tarpon in, like, three four feet of water. It was exciting, 100-pound fish.
1: Well, Uh, in three or four feet of water, can they get momentum to come out of the water?
16: Oh, yeah.
7: Yeah, they just jump. Big time. Big time. That Um, tail can push them. You'd be surprised how far right on the sand they can push themselves
16: out. They're big, strong fish, and they they can jump in two feet of water. But yeah, it's hard to find them real shallow. Usually, they're in you know three, four feet or more.
1: Mm, and that that could be a hundred yards offshore, right?
16: <laughs> <clears throat> oh yeah, we we're in like some backcountry spots, you know, fishing today and. Um, but I've been seeing them in all my spots, like you know, Oceanside, Bayside. I mean, fishing, there's fish around. It's, at, it's just starting, you know, this time of year, and you know, ramping up for the worm hatch, which is you know, toward the end of May.
1: Mm. Now, I, I, I said Frank was going to uh, take care of this segment, but I got a question for you. I've never okay. fished the Florida Keys. You yeah. come down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's just a big sandbar, from what I understand. Actually, all of Florida is just a big sandbar, but that's a different story. But it's not uh,
16: really a sandbar. It's like that's what people don't get. There really aren't that many beaches here.
1: Well, yeah, but the elevation, you know, in the Florida Keys can't be more than, what, 20, 30 feet tops?
16: No, not even that high. Like, Old Town Key West, I think it tops out at about 16 feet, and that's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, where they. So, you no, know, most of it's like at sea level or just maybe a couple feet at or below sea well, level.
1: Well, would you mind taking us on a tour starting where does Key, does the Key West start? And then just kind of do us a quick tour down as to what the different uh, parts of it are and, you know, what you find.
16: Well, Key West is a tiny little island. You know, it's a, it's a terminus of a chain of islands. that starts, you know, up in Key Largo and runs down for 100 miles. And Key Whoa, West is at 100 the end. miles? Of islands, it's an island chain, Uh, and we have I think the third largest barrier reef in the world. You know, you have Australia, everybody knows about that. Then there's a big barrier reef in Belize, and then the next one is the reef that shelters the keys.
11: Hmm.
16: That's why we don't have a lot of surf here, you know, unless you go out to the reef. But the reef blocks, you know, how how far
1: how far offshore is it? Kind of like the Great Barrier? Is it you know a couple miles from shore the reef?
16: Yeah, I don't know in Australia how far it is, from the, but the reef here in the Keys is like 8 to 5 miles. Oh. 5 to, five to 8 miles offshore. It's not very far. And once you get there, you know, it drops off, and bam, there's wahoo tuna shellfish.
1: Oh. All right. Well, anyway, we're on a tour of the uh, Florida Keys. Go ahead and take us on down.
16: So you go from Key Largo. Down to Island Rod. Island Rod is a big fishing spot. You know, it's like a famous Zane Grey and all those guys just to fish there. Ted Williams, Billy Pate. You know, it's a kind of a mecca for tarpon fishing. Um, I like fishing a little further down. Then you have Marathon. It's more of a family kind of island, big Long Island. Um, then you get down to like Big Pine, which is a very big key. Um, and a lot of typing around Big Pine, Permanent Bonefish, too. Further down, Summerlin Key, that's where I live. You know, and I'm skipping a few keys along the way. You know, between, like, Big Pine and Summerlin, you have, like, Ramrod, Big Torch, Little Torch, uh, Summerlin. Then you got Cudjo, Sugarloaf, and several more keys to so the south. a bunch of keys all the way down to Key West, and that's the end. And Key West is... Two by four miles, well, and
1: and these little islands that you go across. Now, there's a bridge that takes you pretty much the entire way. Is that correct?
16: All the way. Um, there's a whole bunch of bridges.
11: <laughs> oh.
16: You know, like the most famous bridge, I think, would be probably the Seven Mile Bridge. It's seven miles long, and it starts at Marathon, and you know, goes down to.
1: But you can uh, you can you can drive from Miami all the way down to the end.
16: Oh
7: yeah, yeah. And you can see the old
16: bridge across the way. Mm
1: -hmm. And what are these, like, little islands with little towns on them, or what's it like there?
16: Well, some islands just have homes on them, right? Um, Actually, some of the islands just don't have anything on them. Maybe there'd be a boat ramp, maybe just mangroves, and you just drive over it. they're so small. That, like Big Pine keys Big, you know, there's like a Win Dixie liquor stores, oh, you know, wow. there's Winn-Dixie. firehouses, okay. there's churches. I mean, it's some big big islands, you know. And
1: which island is that? Big Pine. Big Pine. Okay.
16: Yeah, and I mean, is the same thing. Big Island, you know, there's fancy restaurants. That's where Chica lodges. All kinds of nice places to stay, like the Moorings, and really fabulous restaurants and liquor stores. And I mean, like full-on community. You know, there's high schools and grocery stores. and But some of the islands are smaller. My island, Summerlin Key, has two gas stations, a hardware store, a post office, a liquor store, you know. um, And then a whole bunch of homes. And a real good guide. (laughs) And a bunch of good guides, especially Captain Mike O'Brien. But, yeah. Um, There are a few guys living on Summerlin Key. A lot of guides that I know live on... um, Sugarloaf, I'd say that's a big concentration, maybe at least 20 guys live on uh, Sugarloaf Key. Um, And then, you know, Key West has got a whole bunch of guys living there. But, yeah, guys live all up and down the Keys, depending on, you know, where your house is and where you like to fish. Um, It's a great place to live, and the fishing is really good. I mean, from California, you guys should definitely come fish, here. it's totally different. You know, we have this style of flat fishing, you know, where... It's kind of rare. You have it here in the Keys, Mexico, Belize, and, and that's it, unless you go to, like, the Seychelles, you know, um, or uh, what's that island up? Hawaii, Christmas Island. Um, so it's pretty on until specific two. kind of fishing, where you need really shallow water, oh. you know. And that's what flat fishing is about. You're fishing in water that's you know a foot to eight feet deep, and you're fishing for tarpon, permit, and bonefish mainly.
7: Uh Do you guys get the
16: pompano down that far? Yeah, we get pompano here. They're in the mullet muds, and they're around. You know, um, a lot of people mistake them for permit, but they're different looking, and they don't use yeah. they don't get as good of course. But- I hate to say
7: this, but I love eating p- pampanel. Pampanel? Yeah, they're really good eating fish.
1: Uh, okay, guys, we only got a little over a minute, so let's uh, get whatever questions we can. Um, in addition to the tarpon, which you're most famous for, uh, what about some of the blue water? Do you ever get anything uh, coming in reasonably close, uh, the tuna or, or derogatory oh, yeah. or marlins, billfish?
16: All that stuff. I mean... Especially tuna, but we have blackfin tuna down here, and they're right at the edge of the reef, you know, and and tailing shellfish, I've seen tailing shellfish right on the edge of the reef, you know, in 60 feet of water, Mm -hmm. um, five miles offshore. Um, I don't do it, but my friends catch swordfish deep dropping, you know, off the reef in, you know, 1,000 feet of water, 1,800 feet of water. Whoa. Um, we have a killer fishery here. I mean, you can pretty much catch everything every once in a while: yellowfin tuna, bluefin tuna, lots of wahoo, and of course, lots of shellfish, and lots of blackfin tuna. And we have, mm-hmm. you know, mutton snappers out there, you know, on the reefs and all kinds of good offshore well, fish. Your,
1: uh, your latitude? Uh, what is your latitude down
16: there? It's about mm-hmm. twenty twenty-four something.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. but, but the but you know when when you uh, go off the coast, you go a long way before you hit land. So you know what uh, what's the water? Is it typically you know uh, in the seventies, eighties, nineties? What's the water Your like? Different is times of the probably
16: year. Yeah. Seventy-five to eighty-five when you're talking offshore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get too much above or below. Wow. Yeah. So all the species are there, and it's a year-round fishery. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And so if you're out on the boat, if you take a boat out and um, the sun's getting to you, you just jump in the water.
16: That's what I do. I really like it when you get out to the purple water, you know. get out, like, over a 1,000 feet, and all of a sudden the water goes from, like, that blue color to purple. And, I mean, it's pretty exciting. Jump Mm -hmm. in the water with a selfish, get a picture. Um, and I have friends—not good friends, but I, I, you know, people I know, and especially in Key West and stuff—that they they shoot wahoo with spear guns. You know, in 180 feet of water, 150 feet of water.
1: Well, yeah, but they're not going to shoot us. You mean they go down that deep?
16: No, no, no. They're in the water. You know, I don't know how deep they are go. 60 feet, maybe 20 yeah. to 60 feet, and mm. they set flashers and they Wahoo come in and they shoot them with their spear guns. Wow. Um, there's lots and you know you can catch them you know on rod and reel off also. Mm-hmm. I've caught blackfin tuna and giant dorado on fly, which is really exciting. You know that I yeah. believe. Yeah. 150 feet of water. That's a pretty fun day.
1: Oh yeah, and the, the, yeah. did the blackfin get big over there?
16: Blackfin don't get that big. I mean, you know. Fifteen pounds, oh, okay. A, Twenty okay. pounds to be a big one, you know. Yeah. Um, they're not that big a fish, but okay. they're
1: delicious. Oh yeah, that's what they make. That's what the Japanese pay all that money for. Um, but, well, they yeah. like
16: the bluefin tuna. No, they like the bluefin. The bluefin get big. That's what you're talking about. They mm-hmm. get up to, I don't know. Over a thousand, thousand pounds. pounds. Yeah. Over.
1: Right. Well, they they eat a lot, That's <laughs> how so you get they that. Thank Yeah, their their life expectancy isn't that great, but you know if they if they live in an area where there's a lot of food, they can grow real fast, real big. You are listening to Fish and Hunting Talk Radio. Go to FishTalkRadio.com and you can listen to this both hours as many times as you want.
4: Make Lake Hemet your mountain lake escape in the San Jacinto Mountain Range near Idlewild. The bustling summer season has left the lake quiet and peaceful. Perfect for fishing, boating, and RV camping. Visit LakeHemetRecreation.com for details. That's LakeHemetRecreation.com.
3: Baja.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John
1: Hennigan, and, man, we've been all over Pyramid Lake. We've been to Florida Keys. Um, I don't know where all we've been, of course, with the Hall Show in Long Long Beach. Um,
7: Long and Oregon and Northern California.
1: Yep. yeah, We're fishing all over the place. Yeah. And we're fishing and hunting. And we've got someone on the line that, uh, um, I tell you what, um, Zach, this is John Hennigan. And Zach is uh, partially responsible for soft science shoes. But, uh, Frank, when's the last time somebody come up to you and say, what are those shoes you're wearing? It happens to me all the time.
7: It I mean, happened whoever? in the bar. Yeah, who, uh, who last does week, and yeah. they thought they were a, a real famous brand name. I don't know if I can say it on the ear or not. <laughs> but I'm going to. They said, "Is that Gucci's?"
1: And those Gucci's? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Not exactly. Yeah, not exactly. Just
17: well, give me the
1: like money you to paid all for that. There, jeez. Yeah. Uh, well, they are but, nice. They are nice looking shoes, but you know that's it. It's it's a functional tool, um, and you know if you're going out to, on the water, you know you need a, a good rod, a good reel, some good line, and the right bait, and you know you need footwear that gives you what you need, and. Um, soft science, their footwear is incredible. I just said just last week somebody was pointing them out to my doctor actually he goes, What are those? You know, and I said, Well, I'll talk to Zach and see if I can get you a pair. But uh they are uh let's see, the ones I've got on right now I hate to say it, but I don't think I think I've worn them every day for the last two weeks. Now that may sound pretty disgusting because I don't wear socks, but uh, you just throw them in the washing machine. But I, mean, I guess they probably do. But that—the real secret to me—is that inner sole that it just makes it so comfortable. And of course, uh, um, I like to have room in my shoes. As I, I'm fine now, but I had some water retention, and you know, I couldn't couldn't get into my regular shoes. But uh, that's back to normal. But these. Um, They're just so comfortable. So give us a quick idea about why they are so comfortable, if you don't mind, Zach, and then we'll talk about some of the applications for some of the different stuff you have.
17: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for uh, taking some time here. The way I've been fishing, I I need more than line and a rod. I need some luck. But uh, <laughs> yeah, see, well, uh, I've yeah. always
1: always said better lucky than good.
17: <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know I think we came out with with saw science trying to be the perfect balance of comfort and and support so um you know a lot of other shoes you walk on the right or the left side of your foot you pronate or supinate and, and these shoes allow you to bring your weight back to the center of your foot which stacks your joints and alleviates a lot of that pressure point uh release along your your foot your ankle your hip and up into your back and your knees and your back so um you know the the material is is made kind of a, a trillion is what we call it the proprietary technology. That, that
1: trillion is that is that the uh, the insert or is that the the, the outside of the shoe.
17: So it's actually both. Uh, The insole comes out of the shoe, as as you know, um, but the same material as the outsole. So a lot of shoes, your reefs, uh, your Skechers, uh, New Balance, you know, Hook, all these other ones, they just sometimes they have an insole and sometimes they don't. But actually we have – it's like walking on a cloud because the insole is the same material as the outsole. So the outsole is actually very thick. It doesn't always look like that on the shoe. That's why they're good looking. But it's a kind of double insole, so you have – you know two times the the support there
1: mm, well, yeah, a couple of things I mentioned it before, but what's amazing to me is if you're walking on a hot sidewalk, it helps keep your feet cool, and if it's really cold out and you're you know you're you know you're on a boat and your feet get wet and it's cold, they keep your feet warm. It's like how do they do that?
17: Yeah, yeah, I mean it's just the advance in technology. It's the same thing as kinda of like Under Armour and uh Nike has come you know, they've come out with some great technology in their different base layers. Um and, and we, we have the same thing. I mean we want to be people to be fishing in all different types of weather and so you know, if it's hot out your feet don't slide around, they don't sweat. Um and if it's cold out they, they really mold to the shoe and, and uh hold the heat in. So um, you know, you can kinda of stand your feet longer and fish longer and all different types of weather.
1: Mhm. And again, we've talked about it many times and Frank, you'll agree with me, how many uh um, fly reels do you have that are more than 5 years old?
7: Probably 30, 40 of them. Mhm.
1: And the the reason is if you buy the good stuff it lasts virtually forever, and you can pass it down from generation. Now, I'm not saying you should pass your shoes down. I don't know. If you want you, know, if you want you want your family fighting over your shoes, but you know when you buy the right stuff, and you know of course I I've got a couple pairs, so I rotate every once in a while, and I don't really notice any wear. But you uh, I mean it really is the right equipment? Uh, give us an idea about some of the new lines you've come out with.
17: Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys saying that. I mean, we definitely stand by the products. And the nice thing, too, is that the price point isn't so high that, uh, you know, you have to, to break the bank. I and mean, we try to keep it pretty, pretty affordable. And so we have the Finn 2.0. That's our flagship kind of main shoe. Uh, we have a 3.0 out now that's uh, a little more like a sneaker. So it's going to have that kind of more athletic look to it. We have a sail fin. Uh, it's more of a sailing shoe. It has a five hole lace with the eyelet. So it's a more classy look shoe. Um, and then we have the, the Finn. H2O, which is uh, your neoprene upper, it's non lace so that's a personal watercraft, you know, people on jet skis and paddle boards. Um, And then we have the boots. The boots are really nice. You know, I think we're going to try to bring out a hunting boot more specifically to the hunting world uh, in that Sage DigiCamo, and if you guys haven't checked that out, it's pretty cool. Um, The boots right now have the gullies on the side, so they are made to be in the water. Uh, We're in plan to, to, as, as kind of the spring and summer comes in, to release more of a hunting boot. That uh, that can keep your feet dry and and uh, let it go. No, we'll but your, your
1: but your, your boots come in two different ways, and I know what I prefer because I'm so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you can get them either laced or zippers.
17: Yeah, yeah, you like that thin boot, right?
1: Well, the one that's whatever it is, the one that's neoprene the zipper, with yeah.
17: the zipper. Yeah, and that's a really cool design, too, because if you're having waders or waiter socks, you can cinch that buckle up, and, uh, you know, water's not going to come in down the, the top. So uh, it's a really nice, you know, uh, neoprene, and it's not going to, you know, boots, fishing boots can get up to a couple hundred dollars, you know, and so these are 99 bucks, mm-hmm. um, and they'll last you forever. I mean, you kind of already mentioned that, but the the material, the technology, the design, and people have them for a long time. They really don't, they don't wear, and they don't break down. So it's a good investment.
1: Well, you mentioned getting water in. I don't think water is a problem, um, but uh, it's the sand and stuff.
17: Yeah, so, I mean, well, the, the material is a closed-cell polymer, so it's antibacterial, anti-stink, so water does not get inside of them. Uh, but then in any of our shoes or boots, you just take the insole out, and any sand, little, you know, water, any little insects, you brush, you just wash off in the water hose out, and it comes out. So it's a pretty cool design that mm-hmm. way.
1: Well, you've got a system. I guess it's kind of like a drainage system um, where, you know, it allows— the water and anything else that's uh, that accumulated in your shoe uh, to just to, to run out, and that's why they make such great deck shoes
17: yeah absolutely i mean the we call them the fin because they have three kind of holes three gullies on the side that uh you know the the top part is a quick drying mesh uh, but that keeps your feet snug in the shoe so nothing gets in over the top but then when you're in water uh just dries and the water flows through the the eyelets and there's a little mesh in there that keeps out little insects or, or or debris and so you can step in and as soon as you get right back on the deck your feet are you know your shoes are dry
1: mm, yeah no these- even if they're not dry, they, they still keep you warm.
17: Yep. Yep, the, the top part um, and, and the material, like you said, will, will adjust to the different weather.
1: Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Apparently, you guys are growing. But, uh, um, you know, based on my experience, everybody that sees them, you know, I'll take them off and show to them and they go, Oh, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I I never really thought about looks, but I get a lot of comments. People go, those are good-looking shoes
17: well I'm, I'm happy that we're uh, give, getting you some response there I mean we, we try hard with the design um, and you know the big aha moment I mean is once you put them on I mean we the, today's day and age with e-commerce and the way that people are buying it, mm-hmm. it it's difficult for big box stores even the Cabela's and the Bass Pro Shops and the Dick's to, to hold inventory because more people are buying online and so mm-hmm. we do a lot of direct to consumer shipments uh, we say hey you know where I'm 60 90 days and and, and, and you know, we always do free exchanges and returns if necessary, but we want people to order from us. And like you said, I mean, ordering online can be hard sometimes. You don't know exactly what we're going to get, so we do really fast shipments and exchanges. But once you put these shoes on, I guarantee you will never, you know, wear another type of shoe that's, that or find another shoe that's more comfortable. And so what we are trying to do is we – you mentioned Fred Hall. I'm, I'm going to Long Beach next oh, week. Cool. Uh, we were just Well, I'll Miami. see you there. Yeah? All right. Come by the booth. Um, I will. Hey, uh, Zach,
1: bring some extra shoes with you, would you?
17: Yeah, we'll have plenty there. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So we're just trying to get as many shoes on people's feet as we can because once... uh, You know, once people put their feet inside them, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's that magic moment where they, you know, then they say, hey, I got to get my dad a pair of these. Oh, yeah. I said said a friend of
1: mine, I gave him a pair. He went online uh, and bought six pairs for Christmas presents. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're going to we're going to have to wrap it up. And if in case you didn't get the name, it's called Soft Science. And it's real easy to find. And trust me, if you buy a pair of soft science shoes and you don't think they're the best thing you've ever had on your feet, I personally will refund your money.
17: Uh, that's a con, pretty yeah, good. That's a good deal right there. Mm-hmm. No, we we'll, we'll, you guys. You know, anybody listening, people tell your friends. We'll uh, we'll take care of any of that. But I can, yeah, I pretty much guarantee they will be the most comfortable shoes you'll ever put on.
1: All right, we appreciate that. You are listening to Fish and Hunting Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com, dot com and you can listen to this both hours as many times as you want.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken. This is John Hennigan, and we're having so
1: much fun uh, that we decided to bring Zach back. But I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, next week, we're going to be bringing on, we're starting to work with Mystery Tackle Box. And where every month, you get uh, a surprise uh, delivered by UPS. And it's so much fun. Um, And we're... Actually, I was going to bring it with me today and open it on the air, but I left the house and left it. So we're going to do that next week. And we're going to find out exactly what's in it. But whether it's salt or fresh water, um, and you're looking at substantial discounts. I mean, substantial discounts. It's like 30 bucks a month for, you know, $100 worth of tackle. But... uh, uh, we're going to be talking some more about that. And we'll see if we can get somebody from uh, Mystery Tackle Box to come on next week because everybody around there seems to be shy. but uh, They've got a great great thing going. Anyway, uh, we do still have Zach from Soft Science. And if you get a chance to go to the Long Beach Show and you want to stop by, put it pair on. And I guarantee you, you won't want to take them off. And if you mention my name, um, Zach will give them to you for half price.
7: Oh, <laughs> there goes that lie again. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: half 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 of what price, though?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah you true. know, we'll uh, we'll take care of you. Yeah. Well, you'll see them on my feet all all five days.
1: Yeah. There you go.
17: I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good show.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, it always is. And it's like a thousand booths. And if you want to go fishing or hunting anywhere in the world, literally, I mean, if you want to go hunt zebras in in uh, Africa or if you want to, uh, you know, go out, you know, after uh, wild pigs or turkeys or um, you know, fishing in Alaska, Belize, South America, uh, mainland Mexico. You know, everybody is there. And, of course, the main reason to go is to try on a pair of those soft signs.
17: I want to 10%. We always get, a, you know, a good response. I mean, it's kind of one of those things we have uh, people start trying them on in front of the booth, and then, you know, people start talking about them, and sooner or later, you know, we have a kind of big crowd there. So yeah, that's the whole thing. Come try a pair on.
1: Well, and they're, they're reasonable. They run from, depending on what you got, anywhere from $30 to 100 bucks. That covers the whole range. Is that about right?
17: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we wanted to make, uh, you know, make a couple of different uh, style. So we have, you know, your loafer, your, you know, it doesn't have a lace, just mm-hmm. kind of your everyday casual shoe. Well, um, I,
1: I know a few years ago, a lady friend, she goes, oh, you got to get a pair of these Skechers. And, you know, you could hardly find them, but I couldn't find my size. Well, I finally found them, but I can't remember how much they were, but those things were bloody expensive. And, yeah. And they weren't all that comfortable.
17: No, I mean the Skechers, same thing with kind of a new bounce. I mean they have they've appealed. I mean they have a, a bigger name. They've been around a lot longer, mm-hmm. um, but they have an insole. Um, but really, they kind of cater to a certain demographic that that we're starting to take over in and, and really kind of make our mark. But really, they're just a an insole um, that has kind of that memory foam cushion, and then on the outside, it's just you know it's just a regular uh, outsole that wears out, so you have to replace them once a year, if, yeah. if not more. Okay. And with soft science, it's the same. Material, so you have a double sole, but it doesn't it doesn't wear down.
1: Okay, all right. Well, I think we covered that. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, Zach, and we'll see you at the uh, hall show. Make sure you bring a bunch of shoes for me.
7: <laughs>
10: Absolutely. Maybe, well, maybe, you know
1: what? One of these days, we'll give away a pair in the air. But, you, uh, but uh, you are listening to Fish and Hunting Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com, fishtalkradio.com, Fish talk. right on the front page. You can listen to both hours of this show as many times as you want.